0: This is the OBG Apparel Podcast. Wait, uh, I'm not understanding. Why does an apparel company have a podcast, though? Because they're that awesome. What is up, guys? We have another long-form podcast coming at you. On this episode, we have Jen Oshman. Jen Oshman She's been a missionary overseas. She writes for the Gospel Coalition and is in the middle of writing her own book or just finished it up. She has her own podcast called All Things. Jen is just someone who's really bringing um, beautiful truths out to the world in beautiful ways, whether it's writing, audio, whatever it is. And it really was a powerful podcast. I think this was one of my favorite ones so far to record. And just really to listen to her talk about her experiences, following the Lord, and doing it in some hard places and some hard ways, but to do it well and to rejoice in Jesus throughout all of it. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did. Give it a listen. All right, we have another long-form podcast. We have a guest today, Jen Oshman. Um, and I feel like we kind of connected on a super interesting, super flattering sort of way because you found our shirts online or one of our shirts in particular, you enjoyed it, you ordered it, you posted a blog about it, and we were super humbled by that and then started reading your blog and then thought, wow, we want to have you on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Jen. How's it going?
1: It's great. Thanks so much. It's so fun to be with you.
0: Cool. It's 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 really fun for us that you're like, wow, this shirt's cool enough. I want to write a blog post about it. And So. <laughs> How did you even hear, like, how did you even see it online? How did you even come across us?
1: Um, you know what? My husband actually saw it first, and I don't remember, I was not at home when he found it. I was somewhere, at, probably in a meeting or something, and he texted me a link and he said, Hey, I found your shirt and I I clicked on the link and I was like I have to have that shirt I wrote him back right away and said order it for me now please (laughs) I want gray you know here's my size get it over here and so and that's funny because I actually don't love shopping my I have four daughters they always ask me to take them to Target I hate shopping so I rarely even buy anything online Mm. Um, but that shirt spoke to me and I said I need to wear it.
0: So it's funny, my, my wife and I are very similar, like we're like, we're like anti shoppers. And people always laugh that like, I started this company. It's yes. like, the, I'm the I've never bought a shirt online in my life. And <laughs> you know, like it just I wear the same thing every day. And so it's so not my style. But what what was it about? So the shirt was that your best isn't good enough shirt? What was it about right. that? That kind of your husband was like, Oh, this I have to text this to you? What's what was it? What was the truth behind that? That was that kind of spoke to you?
1: Oh man, I could probably talk for the whole solid hour about that, but I won't do that to you or your <laughs> listeners. Um, I mean, I think the first thing that just sort of jumps out at you, your best is not good enough. It's like sassy, you know, that's like mm. that, that comes <laughs> at you. Um, and it's c- completely counter what we typically see on t shirts, and throw pillows, and mugs, and Instagram posts, and, you know, all of the paraphernalia for me as a woman that I can buy. Um, That whether online or in stores, says things like, you know, you are enough, or it's all these sort of um, self-help, self-empowerment mantras that we see all over apparel items or home items. And they rub me the wrong way. They are contrary, I think, to what is actually true. They're contrary to what is true about myself, what is true about other women, what's true about every human being. And the truth is that we are not enough, that we, we grow tired, we fail, we sin, we, are, we fall short in myriad ways every day. And so I believe that that message that we often see on Instagram and elsewhere is quite damaging. It's a lie that we're rehearsing to ourselves day in and day out. And ultimately, it leads to self-destruction because you, you believe over and over and over well, I'm enough. I thought I was enough. I'm doing my best. I'm trying harder. I'm going for it. I'm reaching for the stars. I, they've told me I can be anything I want to be. And ultimately you internalize that message. But when you fall, when you get tired, when you, at the end of the day, realize, man, I wasn't enough for what needed to happen today. Hmm. It's incredibly damaging. It's sad. It's hurtful. It's discouraging. It's depressing. It's despairing. And so I've spent the last several years really thinking about and writing about how this self-help message is actually destroying us. It's actually hurting us. So to bring it back to the to a lighter note, when I saw that T-shirt, your best is not good enough. I'm like, yes, this is true. This is the T-shirt I can wear. I can't wear yes, 99% exactly. of the other T-shirts <laughs> on the market, but I can wear this one.
0: Good. I'm glad that we could service you in that way. Yes, um,
1: absolutely.
0: It's funny because people even kind of gave us some flack for that shirt because their thought was, well, just make it our best isn't good enough. But my mm. thought behind it and kind of the team, like when we were talking about it is, the world doesn't make throw pillows and t-shirts that say we're enough. It says mm. you're enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is very intentional to be specific, right? That you are enough. And and I think it, it needed to be a little sassy. It needs to be something that someone goes, why? Why yeah. would you put that? And so right. that's the whole kind of vein behind what we do. But, but I, I love – there was something in your podcast that I listened to recently about even talking through this self-help thing that I thought was such a powerful phrase was this idea of – and you even just mentioned it, the idea of it being damaging, that self help vein, because mm-hmm. it brings upon this exhaustion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you almost don't even. I think one of the things that I realized too with how damaging it is, part of why it's so damaging, you don't realize where the exhaustion's coming from. You're like, mm-hmm. ah, man, everyone else is able to do this, but I just can't. Right. And I'm exhausted because of it. And that's where the, it's so scary a place because people don't even realize they're there.
1: Yeah. That's absolutely true. And I, and you know, I'm speaking as a woman, I think it's got to be equally true for men. Um, but you know, I grew up in an era of so that I, I, w- I entered school right after the title nine and title nine was a ruling that basically anything that boys are receiving in terms of funding for academics or sports or clubs needs to also be available to girls, which is excellent. Great. I'm all, I am all for that. I have, I have four daughters who I am raising to be strong women. I I want women to be strong. I want women to have all the equality available to them rightfully as created beings of God, you know, that's rightfully theirs um but what happened was in elementary school and you know from the, our earliest days we girls were told like anything the boys can do you can do better and and go get them and reach for the stars and just you you create you who do you want to be and whatever that is whoever she is you can be her you can have it all and that's what was just that's what saturated my school years my high school years my college years And so I I entered the workforce as an adult feeling like, well, I can have it all like they've been telling me, I can have it all. So I can have, um, you know, amazing in depth relationships, a very strong Christianity, I can be, you know, a powerful career woman, I can drive the kids to all the things I can serve in local politics, I can be active in my neighborhood, I can, you know, go buy organic, locally sourced food at my farmer's market (laughs) and put it on my table every night. And there's, I think it's partly consumer culture. It's partly Instagram culture, but we're all sort of showing each other these images that we can have it all, but it's not really true. We're just showing one another highlights or we're being marketed something in a very savvy way. And it's not actually true. Nobody is infinite. Only God is. And it leaves us exhausted and despairing. And so no matter what my best efforts are, like to go back to the t-shirt, no matter what my best efforts are, it's not going to ever be quite enough. I'm not going to be able to keep up.
0: No, it's, it's so powerful. And, and, and I feel like we could just keep riffing like all day on this because it's, it's when you when you really get the gospel, I think for me, I didn't, didn't realize how far I was from this until like the gospel really hit me. Like mm. I, I grew up in the church and um, I've been around it my whole life and good things, bad things, good theology, bad theology, um, and it was, for me, it was reading the book Radical by David Platt, um, yeah. loving the book, ro- loving everything, no- nothing disparaging about the book, but in my sin, being able to take that book and go, okay, cool, God, this is how I'm going to follow you. And I'm yeah. going to follow you by going hard in the paint is a phrase I use all the time. And I'm just going to just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to die overseas. I'm just going to get crazy. I'm just going to do everything radical and then going into a deep, dark depression in college mm. because of it. Um, and even to this day, I have friends from college who, when they meet my wife, will say "Will say to her, oh, man, your husband was such a hermit in college. And I'm thinking, mm. yeah, I was depressed. Like, I didn't leave my apartment. Um, and that depression came about by me thinking my best efforts will be good enough, right? My best efforts, even in pursuing Jesus, yeah. will be good enough. And it's not even that your best efforts in all the non-Jesus things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like It's even yes. in that, I had to die to myself. Even yes. what I had done was, I had read Radical by David Platt, and I still had never submitted to Jesus. Yeah. Right? I had just left that book and thought, okay, now I'm going to go be radical. God, here's the ways I'll be radical for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Right? Not saying, I'll just do whatever you, I just want to be where you are. Right? Like, right. I'll just submit to you. And even there, we can feel the, the effects of that, that feeling of your best not being good enough. And so, no, it's, it's, Super powerful truth. I'm so glad that that that's your sort of uh, mo. That that something that your husband had to text you that shirt because that's what we need <laughs> in the world. We need people, right? Like loving and living in that reality because yeah. it's not scary. It's a it's a good truth for us that yeah. our best isn't good enough. That's relief, right?
1: Yeah, I I love your story because I experienced the very same thing, but from a secular perspective. So I too went through a season of depression in college not having been raised in a Christian home, Mm. but getting to my university and think everything that had sort of filled me before academics, social life, sports, all the ways that I had excelled before they no longer delivered. It was like the Lord in his mercy made those things ring hollow. And it was such a strange and, and painful awakening for me to realize these things are not satisfying. Mm. I've, I've arrived and it lacks luster I Mm. thought, you know, I I'm I'm right where I wanted to be, and it's not what I imagined it would be. Mm. But I love your story because I see it in in Christianity all the time, you know. So I I literally was on the floor of my dorm room, you know, for weeks just weeping and and like you going through that hermit season where God was drawing me to Himself. Mm. But now now that I'm immersed in the church, you know, and now that I've been in women's ministry for almost 20 years at this point. I see women all the time come to Jesus by grace, but then want to walk by works. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me of Paul's words in Galatians, you know, you foolish Galatians, you were saved by grace and, and it's still grace. We walk by grace as well. Our sanctification is by grace. There's nothing that we have that was not a gift from our Lord. There's nothing that we do without his breath in our lungs. It's all grace. And so you're absolutely right. Your best is not good enough as the t-shirt says, applies in the secular context, you know, pre-Christ context where we were ignoring our, um, our creator, our author, our redeemer, but it's also totally relevant after we come to the Lord, because then still our best is not good enough. It's, it's Christ in us, as Colossians says, Christ in us is the hope of glory.
0: That's the fight, right? Like that's the fight of faith that Paul talks about. I was doing a study on Sunday at our church, um, through what is the gospel by Greg Gilbert. And one of the things that was, I just kept fighting for in, for these guys to kind of just grab a hold of is when we talk about fighting for faith, it's, it's not believing the lie. So, so I could be totally off kind of exegetically on this, but one of the passages I always go back to is in Hebrews when he talks about, um, he or she, whoever talks about, um, in the passage, uh, the deceitfulness of sin, beware of the deceitfulness of sin. Yes. And I remember wrestling with that for a long time. Like, well, what could that mean? You know, the author could have simply said, beware of sin, and it would have really carried the same weight. So why Mm -hmm. this deceitfulness of sin? Um, and I kind of thought about it and thought about it, and and I wonder if it, it has to do with this idea of sin, it doesn't really matter where it gets us, right? It doesn't matter if it's on one side or the other whether it's in holiness you know pursuing holiness to us to not even holiness but pursuing kind of the works right being enough or if it's the other side of of running after sin and kind of things that are clearly oh these are the bad things we should run from sin doesn't really care the enemy doesn't really care where he pushes us mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. the edge and so it's like beware of the deceitfulness of sin is also that idea of the same enemy that leads us into obvious sin, right? Or whatever it may be, you know, things that we want to run from that are obvious, that even when we get there and, and the spirit in us goes, wow, I don't want to be here. I want to run back to Jesus. That same enemy puts a suit on and goes, well, where are you going?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, can't, you can't go back to God. That same mm-hmm. enemy becomes even more deceitful and keeps us there, holds us there. It's like, no, that's the fight of faith right in that moment. No, no, no. It was always Christ. It was Christ before sin. It was Christ during sin. It was Christ after sin. Like it, it's not like, oh man, I got to work my way back. Even in our, that's always that that fight, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's where we rest. It was always Christ, and it always will be Christ. It's not dependent on our best effort. Mm, Our best isn't good enough, and, and and we can rest in that.
0: Boom. There you go. Yeah. All really powerful stuff, right? Um, but before we kind of keep going on this, because I feel like we keep going on this all day, I do want to kind of introduce yourself. So why don't you kind of give us the the story? Like, you know, you're here today on this podcast. How did you end up here? I know that you've done missions with your family, but just kind of give us the story. Introduce yourself to the people listening.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. So my husband and I just celebrated our 20th anniversary, which is a sweet gift of God and miracle. We both come from long lines of divorce and non-Christian homes. So celebrating two decades together really is a gift of the Lord. And it was, it was awesome to celebrate. Um, But yeah, we were married 20 years ago. We're from Colorado. And when we got married, we both did feel a strong calling to overseas missions. And so After being married for a year, we departed and went overseas to Okinawa, Japan, and served with an organization called Cadence International that um, basically shares the gospel with military stationed overseas. So my husband pastored a church for American military members. Was that,
0: not to interrupt you, but was that like a a part of that calling when you felt called overseas that military was kind of on your radar, or did that just sort of happen? How did that
1: Yeah, that's a great question because no, no, military was not really on my heart personally, not really on my husband's either. It it happened through the local church, actually. Mm. So my husband's mentor, who was the missions pastor at the church where he got saved, where we got married, where he got ordained, our sending church, his mentor and missions pastor was on the board of Cadence International and had gotcha. recently been in Asia um, visiting the missionaries there. And this young family who was serving Marines had a ministry to um, American Marines on Okinawa. He, the guy basically said, "Hey, I could really use an intern. I need another like young man to help me disciple all these young men. If you know anybody, you know, send them my way." So my husband, before we were married, went overseas as an intern. And basically got, had the joy and privilege of leading mar- Marines to the Lord and discipling them and loved it and came back. And I, I definitely felt a distinct call to missions. My perception of that was a little bit more traditional, like we're going to mm, go mm-hmm. provide, um, alleviate su- physical suffering in Jesus' name and, you know, share the gospel through those means. Uh, military wasn't really on my radar, but his experience was so rich and so fruitful and so joy-filled that I wanted to try it as well. So, hmm. we went right after marriage as interns just for a less than a year. Came back, my husband finished seminary. I went to seminary as well, but I didn't finish my masters. We ended up having our first baby and went back full time with a 6-month-old baby back to Japan. Wow.
0: Yeah. Was that hard? I mean, that's I have two kids. Yeah. Two under two under 3 and yes. we were even talking off air like that's something I struggle with, right? Like I, I want to be I did stuff overseas, mission-wise, before I was married, and man, my heart draws back to that, but man, you know, it's just, it feels totally different now. It feels, I I didn't mind risking my life, right? Mm -hmm, And so how does, mm -hmm. how was that decision?
1: I I feel like the Spirit really just moved us in it. It it helped that we had tasted it together before we Mm. had kids and both Mm. felt confirmed in our calling there. And so once we had a child, and, and it's Okinawa, Japan, which is a tropical island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Mm, mm-hmm. It's kind of a lovely location. So let's not, you know, let, I don't want the listener to think like, oh, I risked my life with my child. <laughs> That's not true. It was, um, but it was a sweet setting because all of the Americans there, they are in the military. And for some of them, it's their first time outside mm. of their home state, let alone out of the country. You know, many of them are being deployed. Some of them are newlywed. Some of them are single. I mean, it's this moment in life for the military where it's kind of like a constant crisis. They're not, they're not in their comfort zone. Their usual coping things, their support structure is gone. And so it's an American community that is really seeking out eternal truths. They're primed to hear what is true about life and death and how am I going to make it through this deployment or this stint overseas or my marriage is in crisis. I, I need God. And that made it a really sweet ministry because people were eager. They were hungry. They mm. wanted to know what's true. And so for our family, it was a, it was an amazing time. It was such a rich time for, our, for us. We, were, we learned how to be married. We learned how to be parents. We learned how, you know, my husband learned how to be a pastor. We learned how to disciple people and evangelize people in those years on this island, little island and it was sweet. We we had two more daughters, and we also adopted our fourth daughter from Thailand wow. while living in Japan. So we, we were there for about a decade, and then the Lord had put it, especially on my husband's heart, um, he had gone to college for a semester in the Czech Republic and was amazed as a college student to see that there were churches everywhere and crucifixes everywhere and people using the name of Jesus all the time, but... His peers, really, truly, did not know who Jesus actually was. Hmm. So the the darkness and the atheism of the Czech Republic sort of haunted my husband from college on, and we had this picture of Prague hanging over our dining room table. We talked about the Czech Republic a lot. It was kind of like this companion, this weird companion, hmm. in in our subconscious. That's and an interesting.
0: That's an interesting way to think about it. That's that's. I feel like the spirit does that often in our lives.
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, we we ultimately felt like we needed to leave this sweet and fruitful mission field and go to the Czech Republic. Less than one half of 1% of Czech people are saved. Wow. So not even, you know, less than one out of 200 people. And did Lord. you go with
0: the same ministry that you were connected with, or how did that practically right. work so out for you guys to go there?
1: We did not. We, there wasn't an opportunity for us to share Christ with the mi- military in the Czech Republic, so we switched missions. We joined Pioneers International, which um, their their mission is to plant churches amongst unreached people around the globe, and there, they did have some teams in the Czech Republic. So we joined Pioneers and moved our family um, to Central Europe after them having been born and raised in the tropics of Asia. Big change for us. Huge change for us. But we... Um, how, how
0: old are your... How old your oldest at this point when you're moving?
1: So our oldest daughter was our newest daughter. The daughter that we adopted was 12 when we brought her home from Thailand. So at that point, she was 15 going on 16. And the other girls were 6, 8, and 10. So spanning 6 years old to 16 years old. So definitely wow. a huge ask of them definitely a big change for them um
0: how did did they deal with that or how did you even navigate that as a parent like i feel like that's mm -hmm. that's hard enough for you guys to go through now you have you have have, it's not like i have you know you have three-year-olds that you're like well hey we're doing this it's gonna be exciting just jump on ship it's people who are cognitive you know thinking through this and feeling things and yeah
1: Yeah, it was a weighty decision, Um, just a little bit of a backstory to the decision, in addition to the burden that my husband and then our whole family had for the Czech Republic. um, My husband's mom was diagnosed with um, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, and she died three years after her diagnosis. Right before her diagnosis, her own father passed away from ALS. So we as a family had the crushing realization that it's very possible that my husband also will have ALS, that, that, we, that his family has the gene, the familial ALS, which is really rare. Only 5% of people that suffer from ALS um, have familial ALS. So just that awakening, that reminder of what is true, but is, can be so easy to forget that life is really short. And, you know, it's possible that my husband's life will be shorter than we think it will be. Mm. And that's what sort of prompted us like, okay, if that's true, then what is it that we want to make sure we accomplish Mm. before you die? If you might, if you might die young, which we all might, right? You don't need ALS to know that, (laughs) but it was a stark reminder. If you die young, what, what will we regret not having done? And so that really prompted us to move kind of with speed and urgency, to the Czech Republic, and our kids were very involved in the whole conversation. I mean, it was a family decision. But we fasted and prayed for great lengths as an entire family, and made this decision corporately. Now, obviously, a six-year-old's not making the same decision that her parents are. You know, she just doesn't know the weight of that decision. But honestly, neither did we. You know, you, you don't know the you don't know till you know till you're mm, walking yeah, through it what yeah. it's actually going to cost. Um, but they. Praise God! The, the kids, our kids, are resilient. They're they were excited. They, it, I mean, we grieved for sure. We went we went through it all. We did grieve. We rejoiced. We celebrated. We had sorrow. Um, it was a very human endeavor, but empowered by a very strong and able God. So,
0: man, I'm really kind of thinking about this, and it's probably like off a little bit of a rabbit trail because I feel like you probably have more to your story, but I just this idea that your husband and you and your family begin this realization of man this gene is most likely in him or whatever you know ALS and and dying young and you're wrestling with this and you said the phrase of man if we're dying young if if time is short how what will we what what is most important for us to do and so i think it's so interesting because that same phrase exists in our culture, right? Like mm. man if you were gonna die tomorrow, if you knew when you would die, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And so it's so interesting to me and, and that that your your response is, well, let's go risk our, our our time and our energy. Let's go, you know, waste it on the gospel. Let's mm-hmm. go waste it on Jesus. Let's go live it for him sacrificially. And so, man, that that's powerful, right? Like I think we all need to hear that. that idea of like when we when we when we're bumped up against something like this, by God's grace, our response can be to, to sacrifice, not to shore everything up, right? Because I think it's so right. easy for us to hear that, feel that, and think, Well, I got I gotta live this moment up in comfort, in mm. right? And so I even sure. I'm so I'm so moved by that. I also want the people listening to kind of catch that, right? That your response was to risk, your response mm. was to sacrifice. And that's not me kind of boosting your ego as much as sure. just reality right like it's just <laughs> yeah that's a powerful moment that's a yeah. powerful realization and then and then to live like that so even connected to that walk us through how how you guys hear that how you guys feel that how you guys receive that news per se and then worship that same jesus who's sort right. of above all this stuff right like mm. m- most people go well that's the moment that's it i can't believe in that god because mm. why would he want this for them why would he let this happen here's a guy who's you know caring for other people overseas he's caring for people in hard situations in Jap- in Japan and then wanting to be a missionary like he's wanting to be the best you know he's his works are so good why would god let bad things like this happen to him or his family like walk us through how you guys are walking through that and the truth behind that
1: yeah well it was really devastating news um, my husband's mom was precious to us i mean an absolute wonderful grandmother who got on the floor and played with the kids and flew across the world to see us once a year it was devastating news. Thankfully, she did know the Lord by then. Even though my husband didn't grow up in a Christian home, she had come to the Lord and she was saved by grace through faith. And so that was our hope, you know, that she was the Lord was with her in her ailment and in her suffering. And um, amazingly, we could not come back to the U.S. while she was sick because of our adopted daughter. Um, The the immigration process for our adopted daughter and the visa process with her took three years. And those were the exact three years that my mother-in-law was sick and dying. So we would take turns going back and forth to see her. But as a family, we couldn't come back. And um, but what what we did see from afar and what we did see on our visits was that the Lord was really ministering to my mother-in-law. He was meeting her in her weakness and her faith absolutely took off in her sickness. Christ became so precious to her in her sickness. So prior to that, she was a very healthy, capable young. She died at the age of 60. So a young, vibrant, capable businesswoman who, um, who lived a full and fun life. But in her sickness and in her weakness and in, in the pain, was she went through a ton of physical pain. The Lord became so near to her. And she said multiple times from her deathbed, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Jesus is so sweet to me now. I would never give this up. And our hope, our hope is in him where our hope is in our sovereign king and father God who willingly gave up his son for us. That's his character. That's his goodness. He gave over his son to us and Jesus willingly put on flesh and lived life here on earth, left heaven to live here, and then to die the death that we deserved, and then conquered the grave and rose again. His character is good and merciful and kind, and it's also victorious. He reigns. Our God reigns. And he uses suffering, he uses sickness, he uses this fallen world in his mercy to draw us to himself. You know, Jesus is not pleased with ALS. He's not pleased with her with what my mother-in-law went through and what potentially, you know, generations from her might face as well. But he redeems, he redeems that sickness, he redeems that pain and that suffering to draw us closer to himself. Mm. And so I think when we remember, when we keep our, our eyes fixed on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Yeah. when we fix our eyes on the truth about who he is and remember that we are in his very capable hands, it makes us willing to do whatever it is he asked for us for the joy set before us as well.
0: So where my head goes when you're saying these things is, and this is not me trying to disagree with you. I just, I think it's, really easy for people to kind of wrestle with the things that we're saying and hear them and go, wow, oh, that's powerful, but I'm still confused. And so one of the questions is like, I hear this, Jen, that God redeems this, that Jesus redeems all these things, you know, the joy in the suffering. But man, isn't he supposed to protect us from these things? Isn't he supposed to, you know, pro- I don't know, aren't, aren't we his children? Does, doesn't he love us? Does he want to protect us mm-hmm. from these things?
1: Right. And, and I, I don't want to minimize that question because Absolutely, it's one that I continuously face myself. There have absolutely been seasons in my life and days in my life where I have felt that same thing. Um, you know, why, why, Lord, is this happening? Why would You ask us to walk through this? Like, for example, it took us three years to adopt our daughter. In addition to those three years I, I mentioned earlier, the process took three years, and I just remember. Um, lamenting and feeling so broken and hurt. Lord, your heart is for the orphan. Why won't you let her come home to us? Why would you have her suffer? Why would you have us suffer? I know your heart is for the orphan. So that question is totally valid. And it's one that I have faced and continue to face and will face till I go to heaven. But the truth is that, you know, the Lord created the earth and all that is in it, and it was good. And then sin entered the world, the fall happened. And then Jesus came And on the cross, he redeemed, you know, Colossians says, by the blood of the cross, he is reconciling all things to himself. So redemption has come, but restoration has not yet come. So we live, we're living now in this already, but not yet season. Mm. Jesus has already come. He's already redeeming and reconciling all things to himself by the blood of the cross. But he has not yet restored or consummated creation, but he will He will make all things new, all of history, everything that's happening in this century and in the millennia before us in in today and exactly what's happening in my day and your day and the listener's day, we're careening towards the consummation of creation. And that is the new heaven and the new earth. When Jesus will wipe every tear, when there will be no more death and no more suffering and we will live, we will reign with him on the new heavens and the new earth that is coming. That is reality. And that, that is why we can lay down our life right now. That's why we could say, hey, life is short. We better head out to the Czech Republic because that's what God has burdened us with. Because when the new heavens and the new earth come, there will be no more evangelizing. There will be no mm. more missions. This is the lifetime that we get for preaching Christ. There won't be preaching Christ in heaven, there will be worshiping Christ because it will be all the redeemed. It will be all the saints. So we're in this already, but not yet moment where we have to look back to the cross and look back to the word of God and look back to history to see what is his character like? Who is he and how does he handle suffering? And remember that he is good and sovereign. And then we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't run after suffering, but it comes. So in suffering, will we walk by faith? Will we believe him? Will we take him at his word? And remember what his character is. And then and then with Paul, realize when we are weak, God is strong mm, and he mm-hmm. meets us in that. But you can't you can't really know that until you walk through it. And and it's why he says walk by faith, not by sight.
0: Well, and I think even Connecting the phrase that you said earlier about in Hebrews, we're talking about the joy set before mm-hmm. him, you know, that he endured the suffering of the cross with, for the joy that was on the other side of it. I mean, I think about your mother in law when she says, I would never trade this. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's easy as someone outside of that suffering moment saying, But why would God? Mm-hmm. Right. And then when you're in it and and Christ is real to you in that, you think, I mean, I even mentioned earlier about that, that, that depression in college you know, I, I look, there's sometimes I look back at those moments with sort of a rose-colored, like, man, I, I almost longed for those moments because I so truly met Christ yeah. in, the, in that darkness, yes. right? In that, in those harder moments, Christ was so present and real. And so, yeah, I think, I, I, and we were even talking about this off air a little bit, and, and, I, and I, I know you have a blog post on the Gospel Coalition about this sort of idea of self-help and some different things, like, so much of what today is about and our, and our church, quote unquote, church culture is this idea of um, the good life, mm-hmm. right? Like l- things are going to be good for you because you're God's child. And yet, man, what we really want is, is real goodness. It's real life. It's it's that abundant life, yes. but abundant life in the midst of that that waiting, right? That already, but not yet. It's in the midst of those difficult things, because it's in those things that we, we see Christ. It's in those things that we get Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it's it's this backwards, upside down, totally. compared to the world, but yet that's where our hope is, right? And so it's hard to communicate it. It's hard for people to hear that and think, man, they just love suffering. They just <laughs> want the bad things. It's like, no, we're not fighting for bad things. We're fighting for Jesus, yeah. right? Like, I don't want you, I don't want myself, I don't want everybody listening to this to want suffering. I want them to want Jesus right. and and to run after him wherever he is, right? Um, because he's worth it, right? And and I, it always makes me think of, and I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, I feel like the moment in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia when Repacheep is like, made it to the other side of the ocean, has made it to this place that he's been running to. And it's like, that, that sweet relief of getting there. Like we will mm. one day not have faith anymore. Like one yeah. day we will just have sight. Right. Um, right.
1: Yeah. And it is totally counterintuitive and it's countercultural. But Jesus did in fact say, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. You know, whoever wants to follow me and whoever wants to you know, proclaim the gospel will lose his life for my sake. And it's in the losing that we find joy that's that's where real life, abundant life is found. And, you know, it, it's exactly contrary to, to sort of bring it back because it is related to the T-shirt I'm wearing right now, the T-shirt that mm-hmm. I bought for you. It's totally related to that because the –
0: By the way, guys, I did not force her to wear this T-shirt. No, you didn't. She, it's not like part <laughs> of the – you know, it's not like I welcomed her on the podcast if she wears no. the shirt. just happened to be wearing it.
1: I promise that is the truth and you did not tell me to talk about the teachers. I am willingly talking about it because it's like it's not just a shirt. This points to such a deeper issue. You know, the Atlantic came out with an article just last week talking about the happiness recession. Mm-hmm. And this is something I recently wrote a book, it's going to come out next year, but I talk a lot about how suicide is at an all-time high. Suicide has tripled amongst young girls. Um, since 1999, I mean, we're we are in the middle of this sort of epidemic of depression in our country. People are feeling hopeless. Washington Post ran an article a couple years ago that said millennials are the first generation to believe that their future is going to be worse than their parents. Wow. They are not optimistic that things are getting better. They are convinced that things are getting worse, and I think it's directly related to the rise in atheism and the rise in secularism in our country, where we say. You know, spirituality is really what you make it. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. It's just a do-it-yourself spirituality. Like, you come up with your own reality and walk in that. But what we're finding is that that is a crushing way to live. Because any kind of suffering that I then come up against, whether it's my own diagnosis or my husband's diagnosis, or if it's like a global calamity, if it's terrorism or some sort of economic... Fallout, or um, you know, even something bigger like a pandemic or climate change, you know, you're looking then within yourself. What am I going to do about it? My truth is my truth, and so how am I going to solve this problem? How am I going to come up with how you know how am I going to combat cancer with the spirituality that I have welling up within me? And so it becomes a crushing way to live because now it's on you to figure out how to walk through the suffering. There's nothing outside of you that's going to help you navigate it. There's no truth that's bigger than you that gives purpose and power and meaning to what you're actually going through. And so, you know, you felt that depression. I have felt that depression when it's all about you and your best efforts. You find your best isn't good enough. It doesn't have what it takes to respond to your suffering.
0: And and this is something I'm way more comfortable of doing than and, I, and probably than I should be. But doesn't that just get you frustrated about the church, though, and and the people in the church who are who <laughs> yes. are taking that right? Like I'm hearing what you're saying, you're like you know the rise of atheism and secularism, but it's really I mean that same rise is happening. It's yes. not called atheism, but it's called you know humanism, whatever we want to call it yeah. within the church that talks about mm-hmm. um, y- you and the the what you want and 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 just how we cater to the, like. I'm looked at, you know, yeah. this idea of your best isn't good enough. I, I, You can look at our Facebook and our Instagram and the, and the people who who have posted. I, I mean, I, one of the comments in particular was, I get it. This is true. But you don't want to focus on that. You don't want to think mm. about that. And, and, and I think that pipe, that pop psychology has become, yeah, we see what you're saying, but. If we think about the negative, then we're, we're, that's not good. We got to think about these positive realities right. instead of leaning in. Instead of having the the kind of treasure finding attitude of I'm gonna find the treasure amidst this mm. difficult truth, right? Like the idea of the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure hidden in a field and sold yes. everything he had. That idea of no, no, no. I know it's on. At first glance, this is difficult, right? At first glance, right? Finding a treasure is difficult. At first glance, you look at the journey of what it would be like to find a treasure and you think, man, I don't know. That seems risky. It seems hard. It seems like not the right thing to do. But then when you're in the midst of it and you actually find that treasure, you realize, wow, I wouldn't trade this for anything. It kind of connects everything that we've mm. said at this point. But just that idea of, does that frustrate you, the church, how you see pastors yeah. and different people kind of saying the same things that you're talking about?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, frustrates way too nice of a word. Yeah. It, it makes me downright angry and that's because it's not the truth. You know, there's a morsel of truth, but it's cloaked in lies that tend to make us feel better. But it's not it's not the robust truth. And that that's one reason that I began blogging. It's one reason I ended up writing a book is because I felt like and I, I know that I'm speaking again as a woman, I'm sure it's true in men's ministry or men's materials as well, but especially for women, I feel like The materials that are out there, the discipleship materials, the Bible studies, the blogs, the Instagram accounts, the things that are labeled Christian women or that are sold in the Christian women's bookstore fall so short from the gospel. You know, I I use the analogy, it's like we're eating a diet of Big Macs when we could be eating filet mignons Mm. or like eating this, you know, junk food that will sustain you but it's not the beautiful truth, the, the healthy, nourishing feast that the Lord intends. And so, you know, it was through writing when we came back to the United States where I felt like I want to get in the game. Mm. I want to get in there and fill the void that I'm seeing in the American church where we're living the good life and sprinkling, sprinkling a little bit of Jesus on top, which is in the end to our destruction whether that's temporal or actually, in fact, eternal, but it's, it, it's destroying us. It's eating us alive. And, um, as you have, have said, it's, it's just not the truth. And I, I wanted to put that out there before women.
0: Yeah, no, that's powerful. And I see it all over your blog. I really encourage everybody listening to check out it's jenoshman.com, right? Yeah. jenoshman.com I'm looking at now. and just because it's so true. Like I think about, yeah, I see it in men's ministry and men's writings, but just honestly, for me, it's, it's, what I struggle with is how prevalent it is and how uh, difficult it is to navigate because of what you said, that that there is truth. There's a morsel of truth Mm -hmm. kind of cloaked. I think we see that even in the scriptures, right? The idea of um, it's, it's a lamb in wolf's, you know, clothing or a wolf in in, in sheep's clothing, right? Whatever. Mess that up. But, but the idea of (laughs) the the wolf doesn't come as a wolf. That's really simple. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, well, we wouldn't have to preface this. We wouldn't have to explain it ourselves to anybody because it's, Oh, that's obviously a wolf. But when you see, especially on Instagram, especially kind of these famous, right? Like very well-dressed, you know, the coolest glasses in the Mm -hmm. world pastors. Um, but just that that man, I know it sounds better. I know it sounds prettier. I know it sounds like it goes down easier. But man, it like you said, it just is not really like you talked about filet mignon versus Big Mac. A filet mignon is delicious, um, but it does <laughs> but it does require a little bit more work than maybe a yep. Big Mac would, right? That there's the cutting, there's the there's the chewing, there's but there's yeah. this sustenance to it that when you understand it, when you get it, when you grasp it, when you when you're willing to work with it, it's just way more beautiful and filling. Um, now I'm hungry, but you get the point. I think that there's a... <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've got to quit eating junk food yeah. in the church. It's it's easy enough to be a Christian in America, which is not true in Japan or Czech Republic, the other places I've lived. But it's easy enough and socially acceptable enough to be a Chris, a quote Christian in America and be part of church culture without actually dying to yourself hmm. and having the abundant life that Jesus intended. And it's junk food. We're eating too much junk food. Mm,
0: it's true. Um, so to someone listening, Jen, who's thinking, okay, yeah, I get it. There, I would rather eat filet mignon than a Big Mac, but I don't necessarily know how to decipher sure. with a difference or who is, who's going to give me that filet mignon or who's, uh, who, how, where would you push them? Who would you point them towards? What book should they be reading? How can they practically kind of discern that? What What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I think, um, I'd love to answer that for anybody that's listening, anybody on my own blog. It's definitely the heart behind a lot of what I do. And my, my my quick answer is that God has given us his word, his spirit, and his people, the word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God to, to really nourish us, to sanctify us, to grow us and shape us. And you've got to be in a healthy biblically minded, biblically focused, gospel centered church, like without the local church, you will die. You will drift away because sin is deceptive as we've already referenced from Hebrews. So you've got to not neglect gathering with the saints. You've got to be in his word and you've got to be trusting the spirit of God to lead you and to grow you and to shape you. So the word, the people and the spirit are by far the most important things that you need to be investing in. And and that just really cannot happen outside the local church. No matter where you live, no matter what kind of city, no matter what country you're in, you've got to find the local church to sustain you and to keep you. And I think that the better you know the truth, the more time you spend digging into the word, asking the spirit to help you understand, studying the scriptures with your brothers and sisters in Christ, the better you know the truth, the easier it will be to spot that counterfeit. Mm. when it walks in your church doors or comes into your Bible study or pops up on your podcasts or the blogs that you're reading, Mm. the better you know the truth, the easier it will be to spot the counterfeit. And there's really no shortcutting that. It's, you know, good things take time. Maturity Mm. takes time. There's no way to make that happen fast. And so um, I would just exhort every listener to be attending church every Sunday to be in a, a Bible study, to be in an accountability group. I mean, Hebrews says, do not neglect daily gathering together. Daily really means daily. While it's today, today is every day. You've got to be in community because it, we're just prone to wander. We drift, myself included, 100%. I've been walking with the Lord so, for decades now.
0: Jen, how, is one of the things I always struggle with, and this is not me, this is just me playing devil's advocate a bit, but something I struggle with is I hear that all the time, right? We got to be in the local church. We got to be in the local church. We got to be in the local church. I agree with it completely, but for so many people, I feel like they're like, "Yep, don't doing it," but they're not realizing necessarily that their local church is maybe part of the problem. How how does someone mm. navigate even being like uh, the references at Berean, right? Like in Acts, mm. these people who are like questioning Paul and going back to the scriptures. So, is there a tool there that you would give them to even just kind of navigating like? One of the things I'll say, and I don't mean to answer the question for you, but I always think about this idea of like just being on guard, right? Like Mm -hmm. the idea of like, it's so easy, even for me, like I don't want people to just take my word for it or your word for it. Like, but to be people like Martin Luther, who's like, you know, listen, if I'm the only one left on the planet, like I'm going to stand on these things, I'm going to stand on the word and until someone proves me wrong. And so how how do you, how do you think people should navigate that? Even just the local church having such a different, it can mean so many different things to so many different
1: people. Sure. Well, I mean, you can't neglect your just personal study time as well. Having a quality study Bible in, in mm. your possession and pouring over it every morning or every evening or whenever daily, um, I think is super helpful. You know, my, my faith really took off a long time ago when I got a life application study Bible because mm. the footnotes were so rich and they helped me understand. And I, you know, doing a reading plan, whether it's like the New Testament for the year or the whole Bible in a year or whatever you can do, maybe just the Psalms for a year, but the, the point is, is that the word of God is living and active and the spirit of God lives inside of you if you are a believer. And those two things are extremely powerful. So you, there's no shortcutting just being um, in, the, mm. in the scriptures, knowing what they are, memorizing them. I think memorizing scripture is huge mm. because then it, it's in you and it makes it that much easier to spot the counterfeit. Mm. When you see the Instagram post or you see the best-selling author or you see whatever comes at you that has a morsel of truth. And then it's cloaked and it's got some lies wrapped around it. You can spot that so easily if you have the Word of God memorized. Mm, and so good. whether you're just taking passages or entire books, like you can do it. You you can do it. You can turn off mm. Netflix and you can do this. It's mm. possible.
0: And that and there's joy in it, right? Like even for me, like for sure, it's it's so easy. You're saying turn off Netflix, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, I need to do that. And, <laughs> I see, and, same. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's so easy to get swayed into these things, and it's also. That's not us saying that there's not joy and rejoicing and refreshing in just having, you know, watching a movie with the family right. and, and doing those things. Yes. God is in that and he enjoys that and he rejoices in the rest with us. But also just the idea of like, when you, when you're willing to dive into the scriptures and to really spend time working through them, right? You talked about that long journey. Mm. There really is joy there. Like, it's not like, we're not saying that, but you and I don't think there's joy there. And we're like, we really hope these people buy this lie that we're telling them. No, no, no. Like, yeah. Us who has who have struggled with that same struggle have yeah. fought it, gone into the word and gone. oof, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I pulled out that treasure because it brings so much. It's a it's a life that I I don't feel elsewhere, right? Yeah. And it, it's it's hard. The enemy is so good at every little thing to put in our roadblock until we get there. But then once you fight that and you get there, you're like, I'm so glad I'm here, right? Yes. Like it's not yes. just we're not making this up.
1: No, it's true. And it's a lifelong pursuit. We, you know, there's so much of the New Testament is about persevering and enduring to the end. Um, you know, but what we, I think what we easily, especially in this like self-made climate and culture that we live in, we're so quick to forget that we have a creator. We have an author, like he made us. And so the fuel that we run on is him. Mm. He made us and he empowers us and he redeems us. Like he knows what it is we need and he's given it to us. He's given us all that we need for life and godliness and it's in his word and it's by the spirit that lives inside of us. And it's also through his people, through the local church, you know, through the, the church universal and you're, and your the believers that you, you do life with. But, um, I think it's easy to forget in a self-made cultural climate that we actually have a maker and he knows what's best for us and he's given it to us. So trusting that.
0: It's hmm, so powerful. It's so good. Um, I'm just really thankful for you being on the podcast, I'm really thankful for you doing what you do with your blog and with the book coming out. I look forward to that. Your podcast. I mean, where can people find you? Where 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 are you? Where would it be best to kind of push people to kind of get to know you and to see you and see what you're doing?
1: Yeah, thanks. Well, jenoshman.com is probably the best. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are just jenoshman, so you can find me there. Um, my book is coming out in March 2020 it's being published by Crossway. It's called Enough About Me, Find Lasting Joy in the Age of Self. So if you like what we've talked about, it's going to be explored in depth in that book. I'm excited for that to be published. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's a blessing and it's a joy to share with you, to to chat with my brother and the Lord across the country, and also with, you know, your listeners and my readers. Um, It's sweet to just exalt our, our Lord together, and I appreciate this opportunity.
0: Of course. It seriously was a blast. I I had so much fun and I'm so thankful because your heart kind of like gets excited when you talk with people who you're like, yes, "Yes," like they're living it. Like, yes, keep going. Like, Right. um,
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah, you get
0: emotional. I think, man, just it's so easy. Um, I'm totally like just kind of getting personal, but just we're in the midst of a season in our church where there's pastor search stuff and rebuilding and Mm. it's so easy to kind of roll my eyes and to think, oh, we got to do this. Oh, we got to, what, what's happening? Oh, this person. That, it's just so much going on all the yeah, time. Yeah. But then you're reminded in these conversations of like that whisper of just keep going. Do mm. not grow weary. Like do not grow weary of doing good. Um, like one day we stand face to face and we rejoice and that's it. There at the end and we see him and there's no more faith. It's just sight and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing. And so I'm glad that we had you on the podcast. It was a blast. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, likewise. And I, I feel the same way. And I, I'm thankful that you started a clothing company because wearing this T-shirt is super fun. <laughs> and I just, I appreciate your heart. And um, yeah, that, that, that is the spirit of God between the people of God. And I, I praise him for all mm-hmm. these good gifts. So thanks. Of course.
0: Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Man, what a podcast. I told you guys, this was my favorite one to record. There was multiple times that just hearing the stories and hearing just the power that God kind of, man, he just gave her, Jen and her family, the ability to kind of look to him in the midst of it all. Good, bad, whatever. I just was overwhelmed by the beauty of that because that's our lives. Our lives are, man, we are outside of the garden. We're not in the the perfect scenario. Everything doesn't go well. We are outside of the garden, but man, God is worth it. God is good in the midst of it. That doesn't mean we get everything we want. It means we get Jesus. And so it was beautiful to listen to that and to record and be a part of it. And so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like, share, subscribe. Looking forward to the next podcast. Keep seeking Jesus. He's worth it, guys.